Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A little sore from my big run today. Looks nice. Mhm. You heard this before? It's like in a movie. It's in a movie. Good start. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's from serious. Okay. You can get next to the mic if you want to talk into it if you'd like. I don't. It's in a movie in a contemplative scene that's not related to anything else going on in a movie. It's a great movie, an unorthodox movie, in a movie from the mid 80s. Um. It was one of a kind when it came out. In Tom Shattuck's world, it gets best picture. The actor, Lee, gets best actor. She gets back to actress. Oh. There's four weddings and a funeral. No, no, no that's that? that's later on. That's okay. What? I don't know. Mid eighties. Mid eighties. How about this? Uh, I'll do. Is a, it a John Hughes? Movie? It is indeed a John Hughes movie. I was. Does uh, John Candy appear in it? He does not. That is a good guess. I was watching last night. Planes, trains, and oh, automobiles. Yeah. That's the best me. Thanksgiving movie of all. In that, it, something like the song happens in that movie too. Okay. He does a lot of these wispy, weary things. Um, oh, hi! Thank you, Cyril. Glad you were, you were enjoying the music a little too much. <laughs> um, I'm not sure I know what other movies there are. So that is from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, right when they're like in the museum. And exactly. Stuff. Okay. Like right. Reading the it was uh, was it? I don't have it. It's downstairs. Was that is that Surratt? Is that the guy who drew the? Pictures the dots, the yeah. Park. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah, that was that. Downstairs. I don't know where yes, downstairs. Yes, downstairs. We're doing the podcast There's now, buddy. three big people that can help you find it. Sally and James and, and Uncle, Uncle Jimmy, Jimmy can help you. all help you find the Uncle phone. Uncle Jimmy can help you. Mm-hmm. There you go. So. Yeah, they can help you find the phone. It's probably near the dining room table, like near where we were eating, I'm guessing. So that movie was obviously a great movie. And it was a, it was, it when it wants to hit. Rentals is when it got really huge, I think, because I saw it in the theater, and I, I remember it being like kind of the backup movie that we wanted to see. But, um, but watching this John Hughes movies in the Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, that guy was brilliant. He had a knack for making stuff for, especially during that era, just making just memorable, just memorable, memorable, um, just scenes and things like. And, yeah, really hold, hold on. An incredible number of really good movies. Oh, yeah. And he had this thing, like, I think probably the reason why that scene was even in that movie, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off was a movie that they had to cut down, was that he wrote the screenplay and he was a director. You know, other than that, if you're the director, you see that, why are we watching you guys, why are we watching people walk around the 
an art gallery when it has nothing to do with really finishing school. Um, you know, it wouldn't really wouldn't make any sense other yeah. than that. So it's like I love that stuff. I love it when it's done effectively. And he was just so just so good. It's interesting, like also how he kept to what he knew. Like that, I think that the house, the Ferris Bueller's house, is also the house is also Steve Martin's house in that movie and is also Uncle Buck's house. Is it really? Literally in Evanston or in the north. Mm. I think my friend Jay, who may have taken me by there, look at it. Um, So he uses a lot of the, you know, he's a Chicago guy, uses a lot of the Chicago stuff. Uh, And I just thought last night watching the... The, that um, Uncle Buck movie is just it's such a, an emotional movie I never quite saw it at the time I saw it just Plain Trains and Automobiles I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Plain Trains Uncle Buck is the same movie you know, <laughs> you know really it's kind of <laughs> it's good but I, there is something about Planes, Trains and Automobiles where when I was a kid I had seen it and thought it was just a comedy because I yeah. missed all the heavy right. stuff kind of but then seeing it as an adult I was like oh this is such a just poignant movie that just hits you really hard totally. at the end there i don't know but it, and it's become like a thanksgiving favorite for me because it it it's one of the only like thanksgiving themed movies specifically uh, yeah i guess it is i guess that's why i saw it last night mm-hmm. anyway this song dining room it's in the dining room dining room it's in the dining room i'll go help them <sighs> there's i don't understand gets old there's so many other people in this house. Sally and James. <sighs> it's where the, the food is. Room, where we were eating dinner. With, where we ate all the turkey and everything. Can you possibly? Not you. I know. I'm not, I'm not asking. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the I'm talking to him too. There you go. Okay, go find Sally and James. Tell them I need Guys, you to help. Guys, help him find right. the phone. Nice, right now. No, no. Oh. Play the freaking song. Sorry. Jesus Christ. be good with I know that some of you guys actually say that you like like it, it's a it's a thing with the kids to, to when they come in here and we have to ha- be they have to be able to come in because we're neglecting them although there's an adult down there my brother's here but I would be um, I'd be okay if they didn't uh, feel the need I'm trying to put a thought together you know from uh, from a standing position right anyway I've, I've obviously Ferris Bueller's Day Off yeah, the guy who played Ed Rooney should have won an Oscar Ferris should have won an Oscar um, Broderick um, uh, Jennifer Grey should have won an Oscar. Uh, not Sloane. She wasn't great. Certainly Cameron should have won an Oscar. I don't think we have to even debate that. I mean, that was... He was fantastic. Anybody else? Um, well, I mean, the... Actually, the woman who plays Ed Rooney's secretary, who is also the woman at the rental car counter in Plain Strains and Automobiles, she should have won an Oscar, too. Oh, Ed, you shouldn't carry anybody with your back like that. Best parts of the best parts of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Alice, are um, are the guys who are at the garage. Mm-hmm. And, and Ferris says, do you guys speak, speak English? And he says, what country do you think this is? Remember that? Um, vaguely. And another one, he says, uh, oh, after, he, after he, Ferris hands him a Finsky for, for taking care of the car... He says, thank you. You're a very generous individual. Ah, those two lines got me through the rest of the 80s and most of the 90s. They brought me happiness and hope. And what I'm I saying think- is that feeling of the John Hughes movies, that is so ni- 80s, early 90s. You know, it really is just so, I mean, it just kind of nails it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's just one of those things where some people sometimes just nail a certain time. And that guy just did. Okay, so the song is actually, it's an interesting story because the song is a song uh, called Please, Please, Please Let Me Get What I Want. It's a cover. The Dream Academy is covering the song. The song is by the Smiths. You probably don't know who the Smiths are. Smiths are Morrissey. 
I know that the Smiths, like in that movie with um, Zoe Deschanel, where the, the Five Hundred Days of Summer, okay. she likes the Smiths, and he's very impressed that she likes the Smiths. Yeah, that's a, it's like very cool. It is something. very kind <laughs> of alt eighties, uh-huh. um, and it's Morrissey, who you would know probably. He went on to do his own thing later. He's kind of an eccentric guy, kind of a, 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 an odd, uh, an odd. Um, Conservative, I think. He's yeah. certainly pro Brexit. I think he's one of these guys. Um, and but the but the Dream Academy did the cover. Do you know? Have you heard of the Dream Academy? No. These are for the Dream Academy, also a group from the eighties. With um, uh, who was kind of obscure, and they actually uh, they had a song in the eighties that, that is a song that I had always heard. It was like oh, the, the third song playing at every house party was always their song, but I could never tell who it was or what it was or whatever. It wasn't until the 90s, till I was a, a concierge, my friend Joseph Tyler, JT, mm-hmm. who just we still text, who was a concierge, told me that it was them and he got me their CD. This is their other song. This is There is no more quintessential 80s song than this. Good references in here you like too, Alice. Children drank lemonade, and the morning lasted all day, all day. And through an open window came, like Sinatra. I literally remember Jimmy, one of Jimmy's parties, since he had friends in high school, this playing at 2 a.m., and some of the girls are really loving it. And it's great. Just wait, it's gonna happen right now. One more stanza, and I'll get back to business. He said in winter 1963, it felt like the world would freeze with John F. Kennedy and the Beatles. So that is the Dream Academy, and that got me thinking. I'm in a, I'm in kind of a, not in a melancholy mood today. It's a nostalgic mood. Maybe it is. Maybe it's bittersweet. Okay. Not the vine. <laughs> um, and then it was only further moved. By the way, um, there's a there's a blood feud between your mother and I now. You realize since yesterday's podcast, this is a mistaken, a mistaken uh, case of friendly fire. <laughs> Yesterday, I, I torched Thanksgiving, and I think she felt that I was targeting her Thanksgiving that she's holding tomorrow night. So today, she told uh, you you didn't have to come. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if that means I don't have to come, as in don't come and shove it up, whatever, or that means I don't have to come if I'm actually offended. Or what it is, but we're at a we're at a we're not, we're at a political detente she's now. Val- there is she's bad very blood. welcoming. I'm sure there you're allowed to blood, come. Alice. I'm sure you're allowed to where come. Where there is, idea. and you know what, you know what, mm-hmm. I'm going just you to know show what? her. Maybe you shouldn't open fire on family holidays that people enjoy <clears throat> and love around you. <laughs> I, I, I thought about that today, and I thought, no way. That was yeah, that may have been my finest hour yesterday. <laughs> That was my moment where I absolutely said what needed to be said. Needed to be said. I'm, I, I can't, I, like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to get up and do the seventh inning stretch because you tell me it's time to and then go, oh, yeah, and audibly make noise around. I don't want to do that and I want to stab people who do that, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to, Alice. Well. I'm not going to be told to, to do stuff 
for a certain way and, and, and do it, except for under duress. Well, I think I know um, the thing that's going to make you get into Thanksgiving in the next few years and become the biggest Thanksgiving patriot and celebrator of Thanksgiving. Oh, yes. The banning of Thanksgiving. Yes. Yes. Because... Uh, so I was just like Googling today just to get some tidbits of information for the kids about the first Thanksgiving or whatever. I would just search like history of Thanksgiving and literally I had to scroll through so much stuff Mm -hmm. because the entire like first page of results was all news stories about how problematic Thanksgiving is and how we need to start acknowledging the International Day of Mourning and what a difficult day this is for Indigenous Americans and what this day means for Native people and I mean like it went on and on and on so you know I was kind of half joking the other day whatever that was a couple weeks ago when there was the post in the mom's group where the Mm -hmm. mom was asking for resources to thoughtfully handle Thanksgiving With her for her child's first conscious Thanksgiving, um, and a bunch of the moms talked about uh, National Day of Mourning and um, you know all right. this stuff. How problematic it is! I was like, they're coming for that <laughs> next, guys. But they actually are now coming for Thanksgiving. So when they're asking to take Thanksgiving off the school calendar because it's so insensitive, mm-hmm. and putting National Day of Mourning for Indigenous people on there instead. Um, I think all of a sudden you'll find yourself compelled to get into Thanksgiving. Oh, no doubt. And then so the, what they'll do is they the, the town council will get together and they'll bring or these alder, well, not the alder people will get together or the city councilors or whatever, and they'll pay somebody to come in who's got some percentage of Native American blood of some tribe in to call them all racist. And they'll say, thank you for calling us racist. We'll change the name of the thing. <clears throat> the thing is this. And I, I have no... I have no patience for this. The word colonizers, colonizer. Yeah. I mean, how do you get things if you don't colonize them? That was the point. That was the point. That's why the, the people from England expanded and people from Europe expanded because you were out there rolling the dice, trying to uh, survive and make a living and provide. That's what the Indians were doing as well. It's not my fault that the, uh, that the Europeans had the benefit of, uh, of the uh, Enlightenment. It's well, not my uh, fault that the Europeans were highly advanced. If it was the Aztecs who came in into Plymouth on the... Did they have three ships or is that the other thing? That's Columbus. That's Columbus. If it was the Aztecs who came in... They just had the Mayflower. Right. Or other uh, people from around the world. Mm-hmm. There would be no Thanksgiving. It would have been eating the Indians who were here. You know? So uh, all in all, some pretty nice people arrived on the well, shore. right. And I mean, the... The Patuxet of the Plymouth Patuxet, one of the tidbits I learned as I was Googling today, um, the reason why Squanto, or I think we're supposed to call him Tisquantum now or something. He's Squanto. He's Squanto. The reason why they were buddies with Squanto was because, well, first of all, he traveled to Europe. He was enslaved and Mm -hmm. had traveled to Europe. But he was the only Patuxet Indian left Mm because they had all been wiped out by a disease except him. When they which got there. Is, which is interesting because the plague was all over Europe when he went there. Right. And he didn't get it. So, yeah. So Makes you he, wonder. That's an interesting like tidbit. But then he got it after, like the next year and died like a year later. Oh, there you so, go. So, yeah. Sorry, Squantum. To Squantum. Yeah. Um, so. That's also another part of this that, that when people say, you know, the, the Europeans brought disease with it's like they didn't carry a satchel of disease with them. <laughs> Right. That part was an accident. And it largely spread out of their control. Like Columbus came in 1492 Mm -hmm. to the Caribbean and the diseases spread and wiped out Native Americans as far away as Plymouth Plantation and Patuxet. You know, within we're talking about within 150 years. I mean, like the, the population had literally been. Uh, decimated, divided by 10 down into like it was like 90% of the people that lived in the Americas died of diseases within that next hundred years. Absolutely, because it tore through this country and it tore through Europe and it tore through wherever. And this particular country had been cut off from having any opportunity to form any kind of antibodies to it. Mm -hmm. So people were destroyed. 
It, it was not a pers purposeful thing. It's what happens. Don't worry. Plenty of white people died from the from these diseases as well through the yeah, ages. Yeah, they happen to have some like natural immunity from other similar diseases like cowpox and stuff. But yeah, there was no like there was it wasn't an intentional thing. Europeans didn't show up here and go like, "Haha, now you'll get our smallpox and we'll take your lands." Like that that's not a thing that happened. But anyway, a bunch of people were sharing this HuffPost article that's actually from 2018 but i just thought it, but i thought it was interesting because a lot of people were sharing it on social media um by this woman um corinne oystrike i guess i don't know how to pronounce her last name anyway uh she says that you know native americans don't live on reservations so she talks about like her family and where they lived in silicon valley and blah 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 as a child thanksgiving was for me what it is for most children a day when you spend time with family talking or thinking about what you're thankful for you color some turkey pages and eat a lot of food my family worked really hard to keep the narrative of the dinner between indians and pilgrims out of it the only time i was exposed to the story of a dinner between pilgrims and indians was when i was in, was in elementary school growing up in an established settler community like the Bay Area, I was not given much perspective on the holiday. I was told, this dinner happened. Here, wear this paper feather headdress and let's eat some cookies bought at Safeway. As my younger brother and I grew into adults, we dove headfirst into learning as much as we could from our elders about our cultures. And she goes on, she got more into being a Native American. Um, and uh, she found herself dwelling on the pain of what I learned because I and I became angry and bitter during the holiday and ashamed to celebrate with my family when Thanksgiving rolled around. I especially struggled with this anger around the Thanksgiving holiday when I worked as a resource aide in an elementary school. I remember the first time I saw a small kindergarten boy walk out of his classroom at the end of the day wearing a feather headdress made from construction paper. <laughs> it was November and I had been working at the elementary school for only two months when I saw him come skipping down the hallway with his backpack, purple and green cut feathers flapping back and forth across his blonde head. I froze. Blonde head. Ooh. It had been years since I was in elementary school myself, and I had completely forgotten about this approach to celebrating Thanksgiving in our schools. I felt sick. I distinctly remember looking at the faces of the parents around me thinking, is no one else upset by this? This happened to be the same time as the protests at Standing Rock, and all the violence my friends went through was a stark contrast to this skipping boy. Here I was, sneaking out on my breaks to watch my friends at Standing Rock get sprayed by ice-cold water, beaten by police officers, thrown in dog kennels and bitten by security dogs, all while praying and wanting clean water, while another generation of children was being shown that dressing up as an Indian was fine on Thanksgiving. I realized the holiday was lifted on some imaginary pedestal as a joyous day of peace between two worlds, when historians know the truth to be much more violent. Oh, my goodness. So a great number of Indians... Uh, assimilated and that's why people have a percentage of this blood or that blood etc there were great many incentives given by the early united states mm -hmm. for indians to assimilate to come into communities to uh or, or you know own property to you know to assimilate because right. uh, many native americans i'm sorry were very primitive compared to these weren't as advanced it's true and I, I, I mean, I, for a variety of reasons, too. Part of that is that diseases wiped out lots well, of civilizations but, that were But here part of before. the reason diseases wiped out uh, lots of civilization is because they didn't have draft animals. They didn't have, and I took some courses, uh, sorry, I took some... Uh, you watched some YouTube videos. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so, in other words, there were no cows, pigs, or chickens to share diseases with. Mm. Europe, Europeans and Asians lived in close proximity to their animals. animals. Mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons, talk about wet markets, et cetera, that they yeah. had these things. The only large domesticated animal in the Americas was the llama. I learned that with the kids this year. There were no draft animals. This is part of my notes. There were no draft animals or pack animals in the Americas, with the exception of llamas and guinea pigs in Peru. <laughs> guinea pigs are not particularly useful draft animals. I don't know. Maybe no. they weren't, but uh, you know, they were a bargain, I guess. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, yes, yeah, so... so European Asians, uh, European and Asians who lived in close proximity to the animals had stuff like cowpox, chicken pox, swine flu, and avian flus. Um, 
And it also makes the case, a bunch of these um, historic um, kind of deep dives make the case that it could have been Columbus or a Chinese explorer, one of the two who brought the diseases over. So we're not quite sure. The world wants it to be Columbus, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, They don't want it to be a Chinese explorer. Regardless, nobody was trying to bring it over. Uh, but, but 90% of the Native American population was killed by smallpox without an Indian ever seeing a European. Right. <clears throat> Europe lost 60% of its population from the Black Plague. Europe, the bad guys, lost 60% of the population from the Black Plague, which probably was brought there by somebody, too. It was, actually. It was the Mongols brought it. They were throwing plague bodies into the cities they were besieging. This is... To take this snapshot and and try to filter through 2021, it's just a stupid thing. And we know this. Like, there's no day in 1653... That you can follow Mr. John Doe around and say what he just said or did is all right. There's no day that's okay mm-hmm. in 2020 world. Times were very different then. And yes, you know, they, a lot of them called Indian, Indian savages and this and that, whatever. And it, in 2021, it's very hurtful. In 1620, and there were a lot of other things going on, you know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm sick of it. I just don't think we should. Take any of it. And nobody really gives a damn. Nobody cares. Nobody's offended my once proud people. Cut the bleep. You know, I can play that game too if you want to. You know, we mm-hmm. can talk about the once proud people. My dad told me in 1988 when John Silber was running and against Bill Weld, John Silber for governor against Bill Weld, mm-hmm. Massachusetts, and John Silber called Weld an orange headed wasp. And uh, I was in the car with my dad, and and <laughs> Silver was great, by the way. He liked Silver, didn't he, your dad? My dad loved Silver. Okay. Yes. and Because he was a BU guy. Um, and my dad said, uh, well, does that bother you that he said that? And I said, I-, I don't get it. Like, he called him a B? And he said, no. He called him, a- it's a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. That's what you are, Tom. Are you offended? And I said, no, I never thought of it. Uh, no. <laughs> but I've been like, like and I understand the wasps, I guess, one, you know, at least for a time, you know, so I, I'm, I'm not allowed to go into my history and the suffering, etc. But it doesn't take long to, for anybody to look into their past to see where somebody got frigging brained by some other dude in a pub or, you know, drowned or got cholera or scurvy or... Oh, the Shattucks have a lot or, of that. Yeah, everybody was getting waxed very badly because everybody in history is an a-hole. And every single race of person, every culture, was stock full of a-holes who would (laughs) happily butcher others. This is just something that was just happened. But I don't want to. You know what, Alice? I'm going. I'm going high. Will you go low? Hmm. Okay. You know what? You know what? What? JJ Watt. Picking up what I'm putting down. No. J.J. Watt, the football player, who also during the hurricane a few years ago in Texas, like, sponsored a boat of people to go save people. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. J.J. Watt, NFL star J.J. Watt, to pay for funerals of Waukesha parade victims. NFL star J.J. Watt, a Wisconsin native, says he'll pick up the cost of funerals for six victims, for the six victims in Sunday's tragic Christmas parade attack. The Arizona Cardinal defensive end, he's one of these over the top jarhead football guys, Mm -hmm. but he's awesome. He does this stuff all the time. The Arizona Cardinals defensive end, a Waukesha native who graduated from Pewaugan High School and the University of Wisconsin-Madison, made the announcement through local media this week. Uh, A reporter said, JJ is covering the funeral costs for everyone that lost their life in the Waukesha Christmas Parade. Uh, It's an amazing gesture. He has such a huge heart. So um, he had what had tweeted, tweeted just now, seeing what happened at the holiday parade back home in w- w- Wakasha tonight. Wakisha, Wakisha. I think it's Wakisha. Wakisha. Horrific images. Truly hoping everyone is going to be okay and those not involved are now safe. Um, yeah, thankful to everyone who rushed to action and helped the wounded. Gives a little shout out to first responders. It is great that this guy is doing this. Yeah. This guy is doing this. If you not to be morose or anything, but to have somebody taken from you like that is already turned your life upside down mm-hmm. and then to have to go in and sit with it and i've done this a couple of times 
with parents, sit with the funeral director and pick and choose, go through the catalog of, you know, what we're going to get for this and what kind of thing we'll do for this and what kind of thing we'll do for this and then, and what kind of, uh, you know, and where we'll place ads for the funeral. It is not the thing you're in the mood to be doing. I would say not. Right. Especially if your six-year-old or eight-year-old just died. Mm Mm-hmm. Having to do that, it's like it's grisly and ghoulish to think that you've got to be go picking out small caskets, like as a parent. And for him to do this, to just at least take that away, funerals cost—I mean, can easily cost ten grand now to do. Easily, yeah. It, it, for him to do that is freaking awesome, and so I want to salute him, Alice. That is fantastic. Yeah. I love that. I, and it actually, it made me think that I did miss part of this uh, Native American Thanksgiving article, mm-hmm. um, the HuffPost one, where she writes this. This is related, I swear. Um, the first time I attended the Alcatraz Sunrise Ceremony in San Francisco was in 2017. The Sunrise Ceremony is a special event organized by the International Indian Treaty Council people of San Francisco and other Bay Area natives mouthful, to come together as a community in the darkness of Thanksgiving morning and partake in the reclamation of the holiday for our surviving people. I think Deb Holland did this this year. Oh, okay. And there was like some historic... Yeah. There's always a large warm bonfire in the center and a circle of relatives and guests that surround it. The ceremony has many powerful speakers focused on positive reclamation and healing. Last year at the ceremony, I happened to be standing beside former NFL player Colin Kaepernick, only realizing that after the sunlight began to illuminate those around me, he was there to observe and learn. Through natural conversation, I was gifted the opportunity to be able to share with Mr. Kaepernick some of the teachings of my cultures. So, See, lots of NFL players out there doing good in the world, honey. In their different uh, in their different ways. Can you imagine the good you could be doing while you're doing this? <laughs> Instead of standing around uh, learning the culture of Corin, it's and- not a thing. It's not about standing bare or whatever the places that they're, it's not about <coughs> their good. It's really about their bad. That's what it is. Right. It- Otherwise, they would have their own holiday and not need to do their thing on Thanksgiving. Right. It's about it's about in the United States this culture is bad. Precisely mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah, all your holidays, everything you celebrate is bad. Everything you enjoy is bad. All the time you spend with your family might seem nice, but it's actually mm-hmm. very bad and you need to reexamine and uh, reimagine all your traditions right. and values. We used to we used to like have talk radio topics 25 years ago about holiday trees instead of Christmas trees. I, right. I I find very few Christmas trees list, listed anywhere now. It's holiday trees everywhere. It's just a standard. It's mm-hmm. holiday tree. Well, what if somebody doesn't celebrate Christmas? We we don't want to be exclusive, so we want to in, be inclusive. So we can't call it a Christmas. Like, what? What? There would be no tree. If there was no Christmas. This is why we're doing this stuff. No, actually, the pagans used to. Do, no, no, no. It's a freaking Christmas tree. Okay. Yeah, it's a German tradition. It's like it, it but. So. This this whole thing, you know, in one sense, though, I, I, I'm all for it in the sense that I'm not all for it at all. But the, what is the Indian holiday that people have started? Diwali. Yes. The big lily white towns now are trying to, to, to celebrate Diwali. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's probably a good thing. I don't think the progressives know it's a good thing. Right now they're saying, oh, look at these people aren't quite white. So we'll embrace their holiday rather than the bad holidays. But uh, the minority status for Indian Americans is going away quickly. Yeah. Uh, as they uh, For one thing, uh, they take too many spots at like exam schools and stuff. So. Well, and also they're in the stratosphere as far as income. Mm-hmm. I think they might be leading at this point. They're, yeah, they're up there, certainly. Yeah. So it, it is... <laughs> like I tell you about all these... That I used to work with a bunch of guys who are lower in the caste system of traditional Indians from India. Um, who I used to work with the guys from Guyana. Mm-hmm. Well, the guys I worked with were low in the caste system, and you can tell by their names, uh, mm-hmm. like uh, Ramna something and Venkasami and whatever. And I, and I learned this from another Indian guy who was high in the caste system, who was, had a, a good caste system name. 
Oh, yeah. English accent, of course. English. The guys from Guyana were, were low in the caste system. But those guys who were low in the caste system were, the Guyanese guys were incredibly hard workers. Incredibly hard workers who made a bunch of money, bought crappy houses in Dorchester, but, you know, triple deckers in Dorchester. Probably worth a lot now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who now have got, most of the guys are probably retired, probably are absolutely oozing money. And almost definitely probably have some brat put some bratty Americanized Guyanese kid into college who's not only intelligent, but who's a huge hard worker like mommy and daddy, but wants nicer things, wants to drive a beamer. Mm -hmm. So like you can see this happening. It's not just coming through Stanford because through engineering schools, etc. It just you know, just culturally, it's like 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 just Asians. You know, it it's mm -hmm. the, the culturally there is this thing where you, you're in it to win it, and right. you work, work, work. They thought it was a blessing when we worked 100 hours. I was, like, <laughs> dying. Me and Jimmy helped out one time when we, when we worked. It was hard. It was manual labor that we were doing. We worked close to 100 hours one week, and I was, like, dead. I remember we had a meeting in the office with the, like, food and beverage manager, and our job was to roll tables and carry chairs and set up for functions. It was mm -hmm. grunt jobs. And I had the most grunt job because they discriminated against me because I was white. So they called me white boy. And they made me grab the dance floor and, and get on my knees and tighten it. by they uh, uh, simulate fornicating with my head. <laughs> the guy and these guys. And he go, white boy, tight that. Tight that. Tight that. White boy, tight that. Tight that. But it was the most fun I ever had. I didn't care. You know? um, but, but it was interesting. They were thrilled that they had more functions to do we kept booking functions the economy was bouncing back in the early 90s i was like dying i was like what is it something we'd go set up functions work till the morning watch people rich people dance away come back in the morning at 6 a.m and undo the function and reset it. but these guys loved it they're like we've got more hours that's great they were making a ton of money it was like and it's funny it's how generational things go at the time i remember my dad calling my dad and just talking to him and he said well how are things going i said I'm, I'm destroyed i am exhausted i've worked like 93 hours this week and he said well that's great that's fantastic because of course he was a little boy in the you know depression or in the in the, in the 30s and 40s and 50s mm -hmm. and an abundance of hours that's great yes absolutely it's absolutely and it was great now i look back at it and say that was excellent that whole time was excellent then you don't you don't really know it as a as a young man, you know, you're thinking you're wasting your time. Well, you also, like, lose your ability to work really hard that many hours. Like, I'm finding that doing, like, the same polygirl job and stuff. Like, it is not the same as when mm. I was 20 and working jobs where I had to stand up all day and could do any number of hours and it didn't matter. And I could just do it and go home and sleep it off and come the next day yeah. and do the same thing. Like, man, I'm, like, wiped out if I'm on my feet all day for like an eight hour shift and then I go home and like I wake up the next morning and I'm hurting. Yeah. I can't, it's not the same as it was. Well, although you didn't, you know, it did take a little doing having a stand up all day job. You know, you were in retail like I was essentially as well. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't, at first it was a little daunting, but yeah, but when you're 21 years old, like you have no pains. Yeah, no, anything. nothing hurts. Everything's great. And like, and you could, you know, pull an all nighter and, stay out all night and mm -hmm. then like be fine the next day like you know go through another day i think once in uh, was i in middle school or high school i think it was in high school i pulled two all-nighters in a row and that screwed me up for like a couple i'm not surprised a no, couple not, days. i'm not surprised and not surprisingly it was to get school work done but <laughs> it was not for any fun reason but I had like Wait, projects. You weren't, you weren't having your own Ferris Bueller's Day Off, <laughs> no, you know. I had off projects and... too, so I. But I stayed up the entire night, two nights in a row, and that I was like a little bit crazy for like a day or two. But you know, now I like can't even do one day, or I'm just like dead. I'm not a functional person, so. Yeah, I don't know. Stay young, everybody out there. Absolutely, Alice. Bad news for you. Bad news for me. You're the Harry Potter fan in the house among the kids. I do like Harry Potter. Breaking news tweeted out by our friend Vito Giswaldi. Insider leaks <clears throat> the entire plot of Fantastic Beasts 3 in protest of J.K. Rowling's transphobia. So there you go. 
By the way, do you think that that helps the pro-trans lobby to spoil Fantastic Beasts 3 or hurts it? <laughs> Which I don't even know how heavily involved in Fantastic Beasts 3 she even is at this point. I think they're all, all the franchise stuff is trying to like distance from her for that exact reason. But, but like, like they had the anniversary the- thing and they didn't invite her, you know. Oh, they had wait. like all the cast. No, yeah, and they didn't invite J.K. Rowling. No, because they're trying to like be separated from her. Let me see if I can find. Oh, that, that. is great. We um, still want all the money from all the stuff she wrote. We just want to don't want her to come to the party. What a principled stance that is. Yeah. The problem is, is is this: if you're leaking the Fanta- Fantastic Beasts three, uh, you know, plot to screw her. It's not going to work because you're screwing whoever the characters are in Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, Street. HBO got the Harry Potter 20th anniversary return to Hogwarts uh, special episode where the cast and crew of the movies will come together to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the first film. However, J.K. Rowling is not invited due to the transphobic comments she made. That is fantastic. And remember the transphobic comments, right? Yeah, she wanted uh, like women's shelters to be able to allow women, you know, battered women to not be around men in the right. women's Right, she suggested that, that that people with ovaries are women. Yes. Right, rather than people who think that they're women are women. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you something. Okay, obviously that's insane and those people are, are crazy. And we can't give up against that. I mean, I'm going to get fired for saying this kind of stuff from my day job very soon. But it doesn't matter because mama's making some money for daddy now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm then a, you I'm can go work. You can I'm go a, be the St. Pauli girl. I would happily. I would happily. I would happily go back and do. I mean, if when we get, we used to get envelopes of cash when I was a concierge. We used to get kickbacks from some places. I would be fine going back to that. Although I'd have a hard time at this point. Uh, at this point, um, dealing with guests. You know. Well, that's why I, I I prefer being back of the house at this point in my yeah. life. Because yeah, I don't want to talk to people. I've fulfilled my quota of customer yeah. service interactions. Yeah, that would be tough. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, here's my thing. I've got another thing for you, Alice. Um, I've had a creeping, and it's happened over the last year, mm-hmm. attraction. Don't get upset to J.K. Rowling. I've found her to be increasingly attractive. I've always thought she's kind of a lovely looking woman, but I I mean, like, I don't know. She's a little old for you, I think. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I think that'll be, <laughs> be about a 50-year dive up, I think. Um, Yeah, but so there you go. So I'm going to start uh, emailing her and calling she's her. She's 56. Stuff. 56. That's not very, that's much younger than I thought she was. I have 40 and then 8. So she's yeah, so she's technically closer to your age than much, I am. Yes, well, we're <laughs> going to be married soon. Okay, good, so. yeah. I mean, I do think she's attractive. I always thought she was. Um, and I like her as a person. I mean, she's an uber lefty, obviously, on the vast majority of issues. Um, but I've always thought she's just an interesting person. And I think one of the reasons that she's interesting is because before... And I don't know how much you know about this, but before she wrote the Harry Potter books, she was insanely poor. She was on the welfare. Yeah, she was on welfare and she wrote the books uh, sitting in a cafe because it was warm and she couldn't afford to heat her house. And she also couldn't afford to photocopy the manuscript when she typed it up on a typewriter. And so she typed it over again. Oh, (laughs) So to send it in to a publisher, she typed it again. I mean, like, she was, um, yeah. yeah. And and she talked about even, like, when it first became sort of really big and she had a bunch of money and people were like, what are you going to do? And she was like, it's just really awesome not to, like, have to worry about money anymore. And she's, like, the first person I heard who, like, became wealthy who, like, said that, who was like, it's Mm. just really great, like... Not to have to, like, wonder how you're going to pay the next bill or whatever. And I don't know. There, I think there's just a lot of people who've, like, never experienced that kind of 
difficulty in their lives. And I think it makes a difference in how you approach issues. Did she have kids at the time? One, she has one daughter that she was uh, separated from the husband. Hmm. Yeah. No, definitely. It, it, so do you, is she a good writer? I think she's a good writer, yeah. Um, she definitely has a, a an undeniable charm. And it's it's an it's an English an old English yeah charm. She's everything's uh, Quiggledorf uh, Quiggly on the hill. Uh, <laughs> it's so overly English, quaint and cute and butterbeer and like like all, all that. Yeah, stuff. it is very um, yeah, it's very like twee in that way kind of twee. What is mm-hmm. that? Like Wes Anderson movies. Oh, don't mention him. But anyway, but what, what does twee mean? It's like what you're Wes saying. Wes Anderson doesn't make movies. He makes. Style pieces with soundtracks. Okay. Well, look at us. I hate I him, Alice. I'm sorry. No, it is. It's like very cute and whatever, right? So, yes, there's that. But but I think her books plot wise are good, and I think she has a knack for, um, for drawing characters. You know, for like for Dudley. You know, being the like fat spoiled kid who's a jerk. Like, I mean, I think she draws. She you know, gives you very memorable kind of people and personalities and sort of gets, like, what people are like. I think she's a good mm-hmm. observer of people and sort of nails a lot of different personality types. And and that's why it really sticks with you. But, yeah, I think her books are good. And certainly in the category of kids' sci-fi and fantasy books, um, the, the, the Harry Potter books stand out as being one of the much more readable ones because a lot of them I just, like, can't get through. I, I mean, like, the Hunger Games and stuff. And mm. maybe I'm snobby or picky about writing or something, but I just, like, if I What's find... the most popular series of books that you think is written horribly? Uh, the Hunger Games is up there. I think those are written really badly. Um, the, I mean, Twilight is obscene. And then... It, I mean, Twilight is just, it's just terribly written. It's just complete what our six-year-old would call cringe beginning to end. It's just terrible. Um, it's not sus. It's not sus, no. Mm. Um, but, yeah, or, I mean, and this isn't a kid's book, obviously, but those Fifty Shades of Grey books, mm-hmm. I, like, it was so popular. It's not really my thing, but it was so popular, so I, like tried to read the sample on the Amazon Kindle and it was just so bad that I like I couldn't get through it was seriously one of very very few books that I just like I I was like I literally I cannot read more than a few pages of it I can't do it I physically cannot make myself so I don't understand how those are as popular as they are because I found it actually unreadable and I I mean like I read a lot of I'm not snobby in the sense that, like, I read a lot of pulp, you know, popular stuff. Just because, I mean, I like to read. I read in, like, big chunks of reading and, you know, go. I read fast and I read, like, I read a lot of stuff. I'm not, like, snobby in that way. But, but I, like, it, it's rare that I'll encounter a book that I just, like, cannot get through. I can't force myself to keep reading it. But it's, I don't know. So, everybody, happy Thanksgiving. It is Thanksgiving for us right now. We are. Uh, I want to go the, watch the Beatles documentary. Are we going to watch that? I'm excited to. You going to watch Ferris Bueller? Maybe I will. It's been a while. Rooney! <laughs> this is our outro music today, also. All right, so I have to say my stuff. Um, it's been another great week. We will see you on Patreon on Sunday. What and- constitutes a great week? Like a great week of shows or the our listeners have been great? Or what's It's great? been a great week in a lot of ways. Has it? Yeah. How? Well, Thanksgiving this was this week. What? Thanksgiving was this week. And then yeah. another one tomorrow, which I look forward to. Thanksgiving is a great holiday. Okay. Let's- I got to see my family this week. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my first fall week of my new job, James although I guess... James new boyfriend? Motme? Yeah. Murder on the what? Millennium Express. Why is he the boyfriend of the show? Well, because he's people know Jane from Motme. Right, right. New boyfriend? Thoughts? She is a new boyfriend. I like him. Do you like him? I do. I like I've, him. I've liked him even before 
just what the um just from her uh posts uh, that show them having fun, he seems like more of a Jane guy than other guys. Than other people that we've right. met in the past. Right. No, I think he's like a uh a, a dude in in a good and positive way. What does he do? I honestly am not sure. Yeah, no. I think we're we're, we're Well both. talk to him tomorrow more and we'll get to know oh, him. Oh that's more. right. That's right. Good. Oh, we're running out of booze, by the way. Problem. If anybody's around and you've got uh, some vodka, we're going to need a drop <laughs> here. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, get in touch with us by email. If you have some vodka to drop off, that's at burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. We're also at burnbarrelpodcast.com. We are Burn Barrel Pod on Twitter and facebook.com slash burnbarrelpodcast. You can find us all those places. Still not back on YouTube, but you can find us on Rumble for now. I'm uploading there. Um, I don't know what else. And yeah, we'll do a Patreon show this weekend. I think this is our weekend where we're live this weekend on Patreon. Awesome. Very exciting. See you Sunday, guys. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.